turning to John 3, uh, just sort of a heads up where we are, where we're headed. Um, we have finished our uh, series in uh, Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Um, and for the next, and we're starting a new series this morning um, uh, on the Apostles' Creed. And uh, for the next 10 weeks or so, uh, that's kind of where we'll be. Now, a couple of things you heard Sean mention. Uh, it wasn't actually written by the Apostles. Uh, was written 4th, 5th century, um, maybe even completed in the form that we have it a little later than that. But it certainly reflects everything that they taught and believed and understood. Uh, the second sort of caveat about this is um, we're doing the um, we're doing what I would call the fast version, not the slow version. Uh, you could you could do the slow version and spend a sermon on you know I believe in God the Father, and then we could do a sermon on Almighty, and then we could do a sermon on Maker of heaven and earth. Uh, we we could do that. Uh, but we're not going to, uh, for two reasons. One, I, I just, just, I'm choosing to do the faster version. Uh, the other is we get to the exaltation of Christ part of the creed on Easter Sunday. Uh, so that's that's kind of the aim. That's kind of the direction we're headed. Uh, the next, I think it's ten weeks. I keep saying ten weeks. It may not be that. It may be eight, but it's something like that. Uh, so John chapter. Uh, three. Um, I'm going to read verses one through eighteen. Uh, we do stand when we read God's word. If you are willing and able to do that, uh, let me ask that you stand now. Uh, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, um, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with, the, with everyone who is born of the Spirit." Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but 
in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Uh, We pray, O Holy Spirit, that as You blow where You will like the wind does, we pray that You would work here in and among us. That we would hear and understand and be conformed into the image of Christ by this Your Word. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You ever noticed how um, how actually easy it is in our world to be a Christian, or at least how easy it is in our world to claim to be a Christian, um, or at least how easy it is to be, I guess, Christian enough. I mean, really, all you have to do is say four simple words, and if you say those four words. The, the culture around you will grant you the right to call yourself a Christian. I mean, for that matter, Lady Gaga at a concert in Las Vegas actually claimed that she's a Christian. It's the easiest thing in the world, quite honestly, to do uh, in our culture, in our society, in our day and age. It's four uh, simple words that... Um, probably are enough for you to claim to be spiritual without being religious, uh, to claim to be Christian enough without having to, you know, go to church and, and do the kinds of things that Christians do. It's a way of having spirituality without any commitment whatsoever. The four words. I believe in God. All you have to do in our world is say, I believe in God. And we, we all of a sudden grant you all kinds of, oh, well, that person's a Christian. Look, they, they said, I believe in God. And yet we then take those same four words and recite them together on Sunday in a Christian corporate worship service. And they mean something different. They mean something more. What's the distinction? How can they possibly be different? Well, part of it is when someone says, I believe in God, you start asking questions. That doesn't answer questions uh, that creates them. Well, what do you believe about him or her or it? That There's more questions. Uh, what do you understand? I mean, what, what is it that you believe about them, uh, what, him Where is God? I mean, all of those things are are questions that you have to ask in in follow-up to people who say, who claim, I believe in God. Of course, usually what they mean is that when they say I believe in God, typically what they mean is, I'm pretty confident a thing being that we might call God probably exists. That's really what they mean. That my, I'm betting my I'm fifty percent plus a little bit more sure that there's this thing being out there 
that one would call God. I'm pretty sure that exists. That's, that's in essence, what the culture around us would mean when they say, I believe in God. And yet we as Christians, we say that phrase all the time. And it carries far more weight with it. It it means something far more than, I think I'm probably pretty sure that a God-type being probably exists. That's not what we mean. At all. So what's the difference? What's the distinction? How can can the words change their meaning here uh, on Sunday at Grace Covenant than some the culture around us might say out there. Or at the heart of the difference, you can thank Bill Clinton for this. It depends on what your definition of believe is. It depends on what you mean by the word believe. The heart of the difference between a Christian saying, I believe in God, or the, the Apostles' Creed beginning with the phrase, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And, and the broader culture just saying, yes, I believe in God, and that being sufficient. The difference is the meaning of the word believe. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John 3. He's a Pharisee. He's a, a master of the Old Testament. He's got portions of it memorized that you skip. When you have your devotions, because they're too confusing and too long, and maybe even nine chapters of genealogy, which is what First Chronicles begins with. He's coming to Jesus under the, the cloak of night because uh, no doubt he doesn't want to be seen by Well, his fellow Pharisees or by the people. He's supposed to be this teacher of the law. And the people see him go to Jesus going, something's different about you than the people that have been listening to him all this time. They too will be just as confused. He had taught on Numbers 21. He had had explained uh, the events of Numbers 21, no doubt, countless times to people around him and had talked about the fact that these serpents came as punishment for Israel's disobedience, their rebellion against God. And when they realized, Moses, you've got to do something. You've got to save us. And so Moses prays for the people. And he says, serpent, bronze pole, stick the pole in the ground. And just as that serpent is lifted up, so too Jesus, the Son of Man, will be lifted up for the forgiveness of sins. Nicodemus has missed that that bronze serpent is a type of Christ. It's a a picture, a foretaste of who Jesus is and what He will do. You look to the serpents to be delivered from the death that is sure to come from this serpent bite. Well, in our context, you look to Jesus who is lifted up to be delivered from death that is sure to come for our sin. And that's in essence what Jesus says in verses 15 and 16. I mean, for that matter, verse 15 and verse 16 are not really all that different. Whoever believes in Him has eternal life. 
And that's exactly why Jesus was sent. That's exactly why the Son came into the world. So what then do we mean by I believe in God? The first four words of the Apostles' Creed. Well, first we mean that believing is seeing. We say this all the time. People in the world around us say, well, I mean, if I could see it with my own eyes, if, if God would just prove Himself to me, if God could just show Himself to me in some way or another, then I would believe Him. We have this notion that our senses are the only right perception of what is real. We have this notion that if our eyes, our ears, our fingers, our noses, if they don't reveal it to us, if they don't tell it to us, if they don't show it to us, then it must not be real. And then Judy walks in the room. You remember Judy? The little elf with the amazing hot chocolate and the Santa Claus? Scott Calvin is there. He's, he's kind of in um, the North Pole. He's in his big fancy bedroom for the first time. And he's so confused by his fancy red silk pajamas looking outside. In fact, he sees a, a polar bear directing traffic in the square in, in downtown North Pole. Whatever. And he finally, he's, he's amazed at everything he sees. And he's like, I mean, I'm talking to an elf. He literally, but Judy, I'm talking to an elf. And then he says, I mean, I mean, I see it, but I just don't believe it. See, we're, we're convinced in our world that our perception, that our eyes, our ears, our noses, our fingers, they alone can tell us what's true. Until they tell us something that just doesn't seem right. And Judy said, well, there's your problem. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Judy said, Santa, Scott, you have it backwards. You have it all wrong. It's not that seeing is believing. You're missing the point. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. That's Nicodemus' problem in John chapter 3. You must be born again. Oh, hold on. My mom's 5'3". I'm 6'4". I'm not. I'm not. I'm just... I'm not, not me. I'm Nicodemus. Let me be Nicodemus for a minute. Um, Jesus, how exactly is this supposed to work? I mean, he, he, he outright asks, I mean, can a man enter his mother's womb again and be born a second time? Like that didn't... Science says that doesn't happen, Jesus. My perception is my eyes, my ears, my nose, my finger, they all tell me that can't be. In Nicodemus' mind, Jesus is talking crazy. Born again. What, what is this born again you're talking about? You can't... You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. In fact, for that matter, Jesus actually agrees with him. Jesus says, you're right. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Your flesh can't get what I'm saying. 
In essence, in Jesus, in essence, in verses five and six, Jesus says to Nicodemus, "Believing is seeing. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit." In other words, our rebirth, our being born again, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of natural man. It's not something that you and I, left to our senses, can or will, or for that matter, would even want to believe, understand, accept. Left to ourselves, we will never see. Believing is seeing. But notice... Believing is also accepting. If you, if you were to thumb through, and you don't have time, I won't give you the, the minute or two it would take you right this second. You can do it later if you want to. Um, if you worked your way through John chapter 3 and, and counted all the things that Jesus told Nicodemus to do. Well, I mean, you know, Nicodemus, if you would... If you would pray this prayer 15 times, if you would go to church more than you don't, if you would uh, jump up and down, if you would learn to do a handstand, if you would... I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't give him a list of things to do. Instead, he gives him someone to accept. He doesn't say, if you want to be saved, if you want to be born again, if you want to become new, if you want to see and understand the kingdom of God, well, it just takes this magic incantation and drink this potion and say this thing five times and spin around. And if you could learn to stand on your head, it actually happens faster. Instead, he says, no, what you need to do is you need to accept that the work has been done for you. Not that you are to go out and do the work. To quote one writer, he says, believing consists of accepting something, not doing something. That's why we read Numbers 21. That's why we read Numbers 21 because Jesus refers to it in verse um, 14 and, and 15. Jesus takes us back to this serpent uh, on a stick and, and raised up on a pole so that all the people were to do was to look to the serpent and they would be saved. Now, you kind of have to wonder, all right, looking at the serpent up on this pole from, I don't know, a hundred yards away. Let's say you're a hundred yards from that, that pole. And you're looking at the serpent and you're thinking, there's no way it can scientifically, anatomically, medically do anything to me. And yet, looking at it saves me from certain death from this snake bite. And Jesus says, I'm that serpent. That serpent was a picture of me. When you look to me lifted up on the pole on which I will be crucified, 
then you will understand that it's by looking to me and it's accepting my work on your behalf that you will be freed from certain death because of not a snake bite, but from sin. You're accepting his righteousness in your place. You're accepting his death in your place. You're accepting his blood in place of your own. When the Bible tells you to believe in Jesus, it's telling you to accept His blood and His righteousness, which we just sang just a few minutes ago. Their beauty, my dress. The Bible says when you believe, your believing is seeing and believing is accepting. But it also says, third, that believing is trusting. Notice the word that comes right after believe in the Apostles' Creed. We don't say, I believe that. We say, I believe in. I believe that says there are a list of truths that I must know and understand and accept. And when I do, then I will be saved. Or I believe that God exists. Or that I believe that Jesus is real. You want to go dig up ancient Roman history and archaeology. No one argues. No one says, well, there never was a guy named Jesus. There never was a Pontius Pilate. There never was a Caesar Augustus. There never was a Quirinius. There never was a Herod. Those people didn't exist. It's all made up in your Bible. And for that matter, we didn't crucify anybody, especially anybody named Jesus. You can't find that denial anywhere. It's not just that. It's believing in. There's trust there. There's, there's leaning on there. It's not simply accepting propositional truths uh, and accepting that God exists. But it's actually believing in Him. It's actually trusting in Him. Now, yes, there are things we're supposed to believe. Yes, there are truths, facts that we're supposed to understand and believe and accept as true. But a mere historical acceptance of the existence and death of Jesus is not, alone, is not enough to save you. Instead, it's, it's leaning on, it's trusting in the work that He's done in our place, on our behalf. Yes, we believe that, but we don't just believe that. We believe in. To believe that God exists requires absolutely no commitment on your part whatsoever. You can say, yes, I believe God exists, and then go on about your merry way, and it never does anything to you. But as soon as you say, I believe in, I trust Him, I lean on Him, then it changes everything. I believe that with my mind. 
I believe in with my heart. It's, it's, all the, it's all the difference. It makes a world of difference. And Jesus says in verses 15 and 16, that salvation only comes to those who believe in Him. Verse 15. For God so loved the world, verse 16, that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believing mere historical facts is not sufficient for your salvation. Leaning on trusting in His perfect sinless life, His perfect obedience in your place, trusting in His death on the cross, His blood shed there as being sufficient for paying the debt that you and I owe. That brings eternal life. Believing is seeing, it's accepting, it's trusting. Notice that believing is also necessary. Look at verse 3. Jesus told Nicodemus in verse 3 that without being born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You you hear the, the finality, the necessity of that, right? That without... Um, Without being born again, you cannot, you will not see the kingdom of God. Or look down at verse 14. No one has ascended into heaven. I now need my glasses all of a sudden. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In other words, the the serpent, looking to the serpent, was the only way. We read this in Numbers 21. The only way to be saved, the only way to be freed from the death that the serpent, the snake bite, was to look to that serpent up on the pole. And if those people that didn't, the people that didn't look to that serpent, they didn't survive. Jesus is saying the same thing here. Look to me, lift it up, and you live. Those who don't will not. You hear the how definitive the language is. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born of water or spirit. Or you must be born again. Or verse 16, only those who believe in Him, in the Son, will not perish and have eternal life. Or verse 17, God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn it, but... To condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Believing in him, you're not condemned. Don't believe in him, and you are. Believing in Christ is absolutely necessary for salvation. Finally, believing is seeing, believing is accepting, believing is trusting, believing is necessary, and notice finally, believing is personal. It would be tempting, I think, to say, but my parents are Christians. So that's good enough, right? I mean, my, my, mom's, my mom's a better Christian than my dad is, I can assure you that. But my parents are Christians, and so that should really be all I need. I mean, I was raised in the church. I mean, I, you know, no, I haven't been to church in 30, 40, 50 years. But I was raised in the church, and that's good enough. I was raised by Christian parents. I even know some Bible verses for that matter. I can actually quote John 3.16. 
we, we look for ways to get into heaven on other people's coattails. I mean, I haven't actually like openly rebelled against God. I'm just kind of, you know, indifferent, if you will. But my parents are such great Christians that I'm, I can sort of inherit that. I can inherit eternal life along with all the other things they leave me when they die. And yet, the Apostles' Creed begins with, I believe. Not, I know some people who believe in God the Father Almighty. Or, I'm related to people who. Or, I can spell. Pick something. Notice verse 3. It's exactly what Jesus says to Nicodemus. Only those born again see the kingdom of God. Or verse 5. Only those born of water and the Spirit can enter the kingdom of God. Or verse 18. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned. Only those believing in Jesus are not condemned. And only those... It's, it's not, well, those who believe in Jesus plus their next door neighbor on the right side, but not on the left. Or their... You see, belief... Believing in Jesus is personal. You must believe in Him. You must trust in Him for your... Salvation. Believing is seeing. Believing is accepting. Believing is trusting. Believing is necessary. And believing is personal. Are you trusting in Christ for your salvation? Is that your hope? Have you, have you looked to Christ lifted up on the pole as it were and looked to Him and to Him alone for deliverance from the penalty of our sin? Are you hoping to get in hanging on to someone else's coattails? Are you trusting in His blood and righteousness to deliver you from the death that we deserve for our sin? If not, would you like to? If you are, let this passage remind you all over again that you didn't gain your salvation. The Spirit moves as the wind does, where He wills. And so we look to Christ not just for our salvation, but to praise Him for it. We can claim none of the credit for ourselves. And so we give Him all the honor and all the glory. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You for salvation found in the blood and righteousness of Your only Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that if there be any here this morning who don't know that salvation, 
that the Spirit would move even now. That You would work in hearts. That You would, would grant rebirth even in this moment. To hear and to see and to believe and to trust. And Father, we pray that as we recite this creed together over the next several weeks, that even it would remind us all over again that we believe not because we're better. We believe not because we're smarter. Not because we're fill in the blank. But because of Your grace. And so we pray that it would drive us deeper to trust in You and in Your grace towards us. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.